Welcome to Novel Pairings, a podcast dedicated to making the classics readable, relevant, and fun. As two nerdy bookworms, we appreciate the role of classic lit, but we won't get too academic about it. We'll talk about the books we love and the books we loathe, and help stock your TBR pile with old and new reads for every literary taste. Today, we're toppling your TBRs with the sci-fi and speculative fiction books we love. Hey, Chelsea. Hi, Sarah. Um, we we didn't do our countdown. <laughs> oh, I think Miles will be able to figure it out just fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said he usually just goes off of the, the wel- hey, welcome. anyways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just raring to go. I know. We're just so ready to talk about sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> this is a little bit out of both of our wheelhouse, but I think we both had fun putting this list together. And at least I realized we'll get into definitions in a moment, but the sci-fi that does resonate with me, I tend to really remember and it sticks with me. So even though it's not a genre I pick up all the time, when I like one, it it is a lasting book for me. How about you? Yeah, that's a really good point. It's a genre that I am willing to try, but I'm pretty picky about my tastes. If I'm picking up anything in the speculative fiction realm, whether it's sci-fi or fantasy, I have I've figured out over the years specifically what I want out of a book, and so it makes it easier for me to narrow down what I'm going to enjoy, but it just means that I probably only read a couple a year. I think especially that's true for me for sci-fi. Well, let's get into definitions and then maybe we can talk about what in the speculative fiction realm we're most drawn to. So do you want to offer a definition? Sure. So here is how I think about these and differentiate them. I like the definition of speculative fiction as sort of a blanket term for stories that take place beyond the, quote, real world that we live in and exist in. Margaret Atwood calls speculative fiction literature that deals with possibilities in a society which have not yet been enacted but are latent. And that, I think, leans more sci-fi than it would fantasy. But definitely sort of resonates because I, so I think of speculative fiction as two things. I think of it as this umbrella term, stories that take place beyond our known worlds. That's also science fiction and fantasy. But for books that don't really lean heavily on either of those categories, especially with books that are maybe like set in a post-apocalyptic world, but there's really no explanation for it. There's no sciencey stuff in there. I just call those speculative fiction Mm -hmm. because it fits under the label, but it doesn't necessarily fit science fiction. It doesn't necessarily fit fantasy. Does that distinction make sense? Yeah, I think that's generally how I think of it as well. I think before we started talking about this, I probably wouldn't have put fantasy in speculative fiction, but I feel like I, I feel like speculative fiction is almost an umbrella, but more it's more like a very complicated Venn diagram where speculative fiction encircles a lot of these, but then some of these genres exist a little bit outside of the speculative fiction realm as well. And none of this really matters, right? It only matters in helping us figure out what we like 
and communicating what we like to other readers. But I I like Atwood's definition too about dealing in possibilities that are latent because one thing that I really associate with speculative fiction is that it's offering some sort of commentary on whatever is latent, whatever kind of social phenomenon or possible scientific discovery is there under the surface but not real yet. And that's certainly what Margaret Atwood's speculative fiction is. So, of course, that's her definition. But I like that definition. Yeah, it definitely makes sense (laughs) that she would call it that. Yeah, I definitely think of speculative fiction and sci-fi. They're more tied together in my brain. But every, like I was looking at the Hugo Awards list that just came out. Science fiction and fantasy, they get lumped into awards together. They get lumped in often with publishers and imprints, and they're really seen as interrelated, which I think is so fascinating because often you have one dealing with science and one dealing with magic. And But they're, they're both often about imagined worlds, even if they sort of resemble our own. And I have to say the first book that I'm excited to talk about again on the podcast to me, read as a really interesting mix of science fiction and felt like fantasy. It almost felt like a little bit of both. And I'm fascinated by the way that that worked. That's fascinating. Now that you're saying that, I'm thinking about two books that I almost put on the list and didn't. They're classic sci-fi. So I was thinking of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and um, The Time Machine both of which I read in grad school in in a class and really enjoyed. So two bonus recommendations. But I think they're labeled sci-fi. But at what point do we say something is grounded in science versus grounded in magic? Like, you know, taking some sort of potion and becoming a completely different person is maybe more magic than science. Mm -hmm. And time travel, as of yet, I mean, maybe that will be a thing in the future. But (laughs) right now, I mean, time travel is magic. So it's, and when we talk about like Outlander, we think of it as fantasy and not sci-fi. So I think part of it maybe too is just the stylings of a book, how they write about the phenomena that's happening if they try to sort of explain the sciency elements or if they just let it exist as something otherworldly that kind of plays into the distinction as well. Yeah, it has so much to do with style. And probably, I mean, I'm thinking of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and the even just doctor. Like you get a, it's it's a more science-y feeling, even if it's totally, not necessarily grounded in real science. But there are a lot of books that aren't grounded in, quote, real science. Science fiction isn't necessarily about real science, which, thank goodness, because then I definitely wouldn't read it at all. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's more tonal and how the author, like, goes about exploring that idea. So with all of that in mind, we have speculative fiction to offer that is all over this spectrum, I think. Um, And so hopefully there's something on this list for everyone, even if you listeners 
like us, don't consider yourself to be an avid speculative fiction or science fiction reader, there's probably something here for you. I I also, I guess, quickly want to add, because this genre is so big, I think dystopian fiction, and you mentioned post-apocalyptic, falls under speculative fiction. And a lot of the books that we're talking about today touch on that element of genre as well. I think you should talk about the first book you're going to mention since you brought it up as a blend of genres. Yes. Okay. I think that is a big reason why I loved this so much. It is The City We Became by N.K. Jemisin. When we talked about Tolkien, I paired it, which, yeah, that's funny because it is sort of sci-fi paired with fantasy. So The City We Became is based on the premise that these big cities around the world are living, breathing things. And there are people walking around that embody the city. There's a little bit of a physics explanation, but it is pretty much fantasy. Like there's sort of this monster aspect and this like changing into another being aspect. And Jemison is just a fantastic writer. And the way that she explains this and really blends that sort of physics explanation with the fantasy I thought was so cool, but she's also really great at crafting characters. And so I really enjoyed seeing how she took these characters, these five New Yorkers, each representing a different borough, and took what they sort of represented about their borough and created it into physical and personality characteristics. And there is a dark side to the city. There is this evil. You could call it gentrification really easily, but I think that Jemison would probably argue, yes, that is part of it. But it's also more complicated than that. And it's, I almost also reads a little bit like a superhero story because these New Yorkers have to come together in order to fight a similar evil force. This is the first in what's going to be a series, and I will definitely pick up the next ones. I loved it. I feel like a lot of readers were kind of split about this one, but it is exactly the kind of sci-fi and fantasy that I specifically enjoy. It's grounded in something recognizable and real in New York City. The characters are well-drawn to me, and I felt compelled by them. And those are really essential characteristics in speculative fiction for me. So that is The City We Became by N.K. Jemison. I liked that one, too. I think my only complaint about it was that I thought it was a tiny bit long, but she had so much to set up. And especially knowing that it's going to be a series, she had a lot of groundwork to lay. And it's also really good on audio. I'll mention that as well. All right, Sarah, what do you have to recommend? Well, since we started with Margaret Atwood's definition of speculative fiction, I'll start with a book by Margaret Atwood. I paired Oryx and Crake with Frankenstein on that episode, but I want to recommend it again. Oryx and Crake is the first book in Atwood's Mad Adam trilogy, which is a sci-fi post-apocalyptic trilogy. You can definitely just read Oryx and Crake as a standalone. It's my favorite in the series, but the whole series is good and deals with kind of 
different sci-fi elements as well as different social issues. If you like Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale, which is really this feminist dystopia, Oryx and Crake is kind of her climate change dystopian book. It's post-apocalyptic. When the book begins, there's, as far as we know, only one living human survivor of what they call the flood. And we slowly learn what the flood is over the course of the novel. But Jimmy is our one human survivor, and he lives with this group of artificially created humanoid perfect beings. These perfect beings, the way she writes them is so humorous and clever. And the, you know, genetic ideas that went into crafting these creatures is fascinating. Like they purr on each other to heal each other's wounds and their their mating rituals are hilarious, but also um, I think Margaret Atwood like brought in some of her issues surrounding consent and gender power in terms of how she talks about mating for these perfect beings. So she just really does what I love in speculative fiction, which is looking at societal issues and kind of extending them, exploring them in a imaginative way. So this book really starts when Jimmy decides that he he thinks there are probably other people alive. He goes off to find them. And then we learn all about Crake, who is the person who created these perfect beings, and his love interest, Oryx, and how the flood began, and the world that existed prior to the flood, which was certainly no utopia either. It's just really fantastic and fun, but deep and unsettling at times. So I love Oryx and Crake. I think if you've read Atwood, you probably know there are often kind of trigger warnings or just she just can describe things in a way that's uncomfortable for some readers. So if other of her books haven't worked for you, this one might not either, but it's one of my favorites. So that's Oryx and Crake. Okay, I had to do a little swap because I wanted to talk about a book that I think many people probably haven't heard of at all. And I think that I've talked about Alyssa Cole a couple of times on the podcast. She's one of my favorite romance authors. She writes great, really fun, contemporary romance in her Reluctant Royal series. She writes excellent historical romance that's super well-researched. But she also has a post-apocalyptic romance series. And it's just so much fun. I had no idea. That's amazing. Yeah. So the first one is called Radio Silence. It is in the Off the Grid series. And it opens with Arden and her roommate, John, escaping Rochester, New York for the woods where John's family has a cabin because the power grid was switched off. And chaos has reigned in suburban and city areas. So they are going off the grid and they're going to live in his family's cabin. And it's up near the Canadian border. So they have a long way to travel. So there's like some harrowing scenes there. She and John are not the romantic leads together. She falls for John's handsome brother, Gabriel. And there's 
some tension in the cabin with those two. They also have a sister and these siblings are like taking care of each other in this post-apocalyptic setting because they don't know what happened to their parents. And they don't know if the power grid is going to come back on. They don't know what life is going to look like for them. And I just thought that this was a fascinating romance to read. It's one of those where it's like, it doesn't sound like it would be romantic because they're living in a pretty scary situation. The romance for me wasn't the fun of it. The fun was just seeing an author that I love craft a totally different kind of story. And I know just from following her that Alyssa Cole really likes sci-fi and fantasy and stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw more of this sort of style from her. But it's also just really fun to find authors that you love and go back and read some of their first books and see how much they've changed. So if you're an Alyssa Cole fan or if you just need like a page turner super fun post-apocalyptic love story. Radio Silence by Alyssa Cole is just fun. My next book is The Space Between Worlds by Micaiah Johnson, which I read last year. I probably wouldn't have picked it up except it was a submission for the Aspen Words Prize, and I ended up really liking it. So this book takes place in a near-ish future where traveling between multiverse planets is possible. So humans on Earth have figured out a way to travel to other Earths that are almost exactly like ours, but where something has split off and created its own planet or entity in the multiverse. However, there's a catch you can only travel to one of these alternate realities if you do not exist in that reality currently. And so people who lead more precarious lives are recruited to make these missions because they are more likely to have died on these other planets and these alternate realities. So our main character is Kara, And Kara has lived such a rough life. She is lucky to be alive today on Earth One. She has died in 372 other alternate realities. And so she's very valuable to this company. She can go to all of these other realities and harvest data and and whatnot. Things take some crazy twists and turns for Kara There's a big twist pretty early on that was so fascinating. And then one of Kara's doppelgangers dies unexpectedly. And Kara starts kind of investigating if maybe these alternate realities are more connected than she initially was told. So it's also this kind of race against the clock adventure. It is very fast paced. It, it moves. And Kara is an incredible character. She is tough as nails and also very loving towards her family. She's very flirtatious as well. And there's a great romance that develops in this book that you might not see coming. I loved everything about it. And it's great on audio. I think the other thing that this book does really well is offer a lot of 
good social commentary on class stratification in the U.S. today and also the dangers of life for people who are black and brown or poor or uh, don't have good access to health care. Just like brings up a lot of those issues in a way that really hits hard but is also just extremely inventive. So that is The Space Between Worlds by Micaiah Johnson. So I've, with my two recommendations, I've exhausted the books that I've read <laughs> to recommend. That's fine. <laughs> I, I mean, there are other sci-fi books that I've read over the last couple of years, but they're either not memorable or I didn't like them. So I have three more books to recommend, but these are books that are either on my nightstand or on my holds list at the library. So I will read them, but we're getting there. So the first one that I have from the library sitting, it's not on my nightstand, it's on my coffee table, is To Be Taught If Fortunate by Becky Chambers. This is a novella. And this novella The premise sounds fascinating. So you know how in a lot of space books, they're about people from Earth who are going onto a planet and like changing the planet to suit their needs or like even in The Martian, like that was all about figuring out how to sustain life on Mars. Well, in this novella, Chambers imagines a situation where instead the explorers, the humans can change themselves when they go into a new solar system or they go on to a new planet. So Ariadne is an astronaut and also they call her an extrasolar research vessel. And she has a crew and they basically wake up every time that they fall asleep on a different planet. They wake up with different features. So you have to obviously be like, really go with the flow in order to wake up and have a completely different body and like different body systems going on to adapt to your environment. But back on earth, obviously things are changing too dramatically as things tend to do. And so she could wake up and not be able to go back to the world that she knew or go back and not experience Earth as she knew it. I haven't read this, so I'm just guessing, but it seems like there is going to be this theme of tension between change and static and how humans adapt to change and how we adapt to change within ourselves versus how we adapt to societal change. Becky Chambers, from what I know from friends and people who love her work, is just really great at creating characters and really great at creating people that you really care about and that you don't have to really care about all the sciencey stuff or the science fiction tropes in order to love her stories because they're very deeply human. So I'm excited to read it and report back. That is To Be Taught If Fortunate by Becky Chambers. I've been wanting to read Becky Chambers for a while, so I will be eager to hear your report. All right, next up, I have a sci-fi book about baseball. It is called The Resistors by Gish Jen. I read this book and I don't know if I am like sci-fi 
smart enough to really have like gotten it. But I did enjoy it and I did think it was incredibly clever. So the book takes place in Auto America, which is the America of the future in Gish Jen's world. And there is this figure called Aunt Nettie. And Aunt Nettie is basically the internet and a surveillance system and like social media. She's almost a god. She like watches everything everyone does and they refer to her a lot and what she wants them to do and what she doesn't want them to do. And people have been divided. Some people are considered useful to society and have get an education and have jobs, et cetera. And then there's the surplus. And the surplus are the people who Aunt Nettie has deemed cannot add anything to society and they just kind of live off of the scraps of everyone else. And the the book begins with a surplus couple who they have a daughter and they really still believe that their daughter should be educated and they teach her to value herself And they also teach her how to play baseball (laughs) and this whole like little community neighborhood of surplus people. They get really into baseball as a community building activity. And Gwen, our, our main protagonist, she is amazingly talented and Aunt Nettie selects her to get a scholarship so she can go to university. And of course, things change for her a lot when she shows up at school and she's not quite accepted, but they kind of need her on this team. And as in most like sci-fi or dystopian stories go, she starts figuring out more about the origins of this society than she is probably supposed to know. So it's part mystery, part sports story, very sci-fi, a lot going on. Like I said, I think it was like a little convoluted for my brain, but super clever and very entertaining. And it has a great cover. So that is The Resistors by Gish Jen. Speaking of great covers, I love the cover of this next book, In the Quick by Kate Hope Day. It looks, I really want to read this one. Right? I thought I saw it in one of your Instagram pictures. It looks pretty short. I think it's like a pretty slim. And that goes a long way for me with sci-fi too. <laughs> as if it's nice and tight. And it sounds dramatic. It is about a young female astronaut who is like brilliant engineer. And so she goes to space, but um, there's like some drama with a missing crew and what she believes really happened. So she seeks someone out who is also brilliant and she thinks can help solve this problem. But then they end up having a love affair and how that works out. I'm really interested to know. So it seems part like space science, like the I don't know how much space science is going to be included because I haven't even read the first page yet. I I don't think it's going to be a space opera. Like it doesn't seem that sweeping and dramatic. It seems more like quiet love stories set in space. But I'm really curious to see how sciencey it is you know, how the sort of interpersonal relationships shake out and whether or not I will like it. It seems like the kind of book, the kind of sci-fi or speculative fiction that I would like, 
because it seems like it's centered more on the characters and their situation than the world building. But you just don't know until you try it. So we will see if anyone has read it. If you didn't like it, I don't want to know because I want to try it for myself. <laughs> but if you read it and liked it, I, I would be interested to hear from you. So that is In the Quick by Kate Hope Day. Okay, here's something really fun. Did you know that In the Quick is loosely inspired by Jane Eyre? I thought that I read that in a review and it doesn't say that anywhere on the jacket copy. It doesn't indicate that. But of course, I'm more interested when I know that. So she said that in an Instagram post, which might be kind of where you where you maybe. saw her. Um, but I commented or messaged her. She's very friendly on Instagram. <laughs> and it was like, Jane Eyre, what? And she said, well, if you've read and are familiar with Jane Eyre, you will 100% pick up some allusions and some details. And if you haven't read Jane Eyre, it's going to, it doesn't matter. And it's definitely not a retelling, but that's, I like that kind of nod to classics, like not a straight retelling, but if you like know a book well, you can pick up on some, some things. So that makes me more excited as well. Yeah, that'll be fun. Well, we'll have to read it and compare notes. Yes. All right. My next one, I'm going to talk about this really quickly because I think we've talked about it a couple of times, is The Echo Wife by Sarah Gailey. This was my second Sarah Gailey book. I really loved Magic for Liars. I love a magic school. We should do a whole TBR toppler of magic school books at some point. And then I picked up The Echo Wife, which is their newest that came out this year. And this book is fun. It is definitely is like a it's like a sci-fi thriller and it involves clones and there is a murder and a cover-up and a clone cover-up <laughs> and I I feel like this is just a book that is more fun to kind of go in fairly blind just know you're getting into clones and murder and enjoy the ride I read this book so quickly I could not put it down. Like I said, I've only read one other Sarah Gailey book, and I think they really like to hop between genres and explore different styles. And so some of the thrillery pacing felt a little bit strange to me here, but I didn't care because the setup and the um, the characters and just Everything she was exploring here was unputdownable. So I highly recommend this one. It's a quick read and very much an approachable sci-fi book. Like if you never read sci-fi, but you love Gone Girl or something like that, pick up The Echo Wife. That's a good entry point. And it's by Sarah Gailey. I've had their books on like my library stack. I have The Echo Wife from Libro FM, so I've been meaning to listen to it, but Sci-fi doesn't always work for me on audio, so we'll see, but I'm really excited to read anything of theirs because I've heard nothing but good things. I'll also say about the pacing, I got a really early galley of this, like a year in advance, and so it's very possible that the version I read was tidied and edited a bit, and so that might have that might be totally cleared up in the finished version, but I do think you would enjoy this one. Chelsea. And it's a good beach read. I don't think of sci-fi as necessarily a beach read genre, but this one is. So 
This last one, I think, so I I do really want to read it, but it is way out of my reading comfort zone because I think that it's actually considered horror or it's described as dark fantasy, but it also kind of, I don't know, I, I really wanted to include it in this speculative fiction episode because I think it really fits with Atwood's definition of literature that deals with possibilities that are latent. And that is Ring Shout by P. Jelly Clark. And this is also a novella. The premise is basically that The Birth of a Nation, which is this horribly racist film, is actually a spell And when members of the KKK view it, they turn into literal demons. So then the main character is Maurice, and she has a magic sword, and she fights these monsters, the Ku Kluxes. And she, like, gets this team together to fight the monsters and fight hate in the world. So it takes this, uh, you know, very real but invisible concept of white supremacy and racism and makes it literal. And so it is more fantasy than sci-fi because it's about it like a, a magic spell. It's about demons. But it very much fits in this speculative. It's a question of what if. We didn't talk about alternate history as speculative fiction. I love an alternate history as speculative fiction. And so even though this is probably too scary for me, I've heard really good things about it. And I have heard from a few people that if you don't read a lot of horror, like this novella, you can handle. So I am really eager to read Ring Shout by P. Jelly Clark. That sounds terrifying and fascinating. I'd never heard of that. So one person that spoke about it that sort of made me think like, maybe I could read that is Annie B. Jones. I think that she Mm. talked about it in one of her reading wrap-ups on From the Front Porch, and she really, really loved it and thought it was just so well done and so well written. So it's, yeah, it sounds terrifying and fascinating. Since we're getting out of our comfort zone here, um, I wanted to mention that I read and really love Watchmen by Alan Moore. It is a graphic novel, but it's real. I mean, it's a comic, really. Um, It's a superhero comic. And I read it after watching and loving the show. And the show is fantastic. Everyone should watch Watchmen, the show, if you have access to it. It's HBO, I believe. Speaking of alternate histories, it is an alternate history kind of following the uh, Tulsa massacre, exploring an imaginative what could have come out of that in terms of policing and superheroes and the crossover between vigilante justice and corrupt policing and all of that. It's fantastic. The comic is not, it's not addressing race in the same way as the show is. So definitely know that going in. It's, it's, quite different, but I loved seeing the roots of these characters. And I think we, since we live in this age of like big Marvel and just a complete absorption in 
superhero stories. I really appreciated what Alan Moore was doing with Watchmen, which was kind of questioning, like, who is in charge of these vigilante superheroes and who gets to decide what is right and what is ethical and who needs to be punished and who gets to use their powers in these ways. And it's so smart. If you've never read a graphic novel or a comic, or if you are nervous about sci-fi, I would still encourage you to pick up Watchmen. It's really just brilliant and fun and deep in a way that I was not expecting. And you can certainly read it before watching the show or watch the show first, but either way, I think pairing them together really adds a lot to the experience of both. So that is Watchmen by Alan M. Moore. I think we can quickly mention at least a couple more authors. We've talked a lot about Kazuo Ishiguro and we both love Never Let Me Go. I think that you read and really enjoyed Clara and the Sun. That's still in my Libro FMQ. And Ishiguro just has a really unique way of writing speculative fiction and has some really interesting things to say about genre and about how he incorporates science fiction elements in his work. So he just, it feels like we have to mention him on an episode like this. Totally. Yeah. And I did love Clara and the Sun. And it's definitely a bittersweet book, but it is a sweet book. It somehow was like uplifting in a way, um, even though there's a lot of sadness in it. It's just not devastating, like never let me go. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I, I loved it. And they go so well together. Another author to mention is Blake Crouch. I read and really enjoyed Dark Matter. I do not think Blake Crouch is a great writer. No. (laughs) I remember like one description early in Dark Matter where he describes a woman as smelling like Whole Foods. And I was just like, (laughs) I just, (laughs) I can't with this description. You're clearly like a script writer and I can't wait for Dark Matter to be turned into a TV show. Um, But again, super fun betrayed so quick. Yeah, I liked Dark Matter too, but definitely as I was reading it, I was like, I'm reading a movie. That's <laughs> yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh-huh. I really did not like Recursion. I thought it sucked. I didn't read it. <laughs> oh, Ugh, really? It's not worth it. I <laughs> okay. just, like I said, and that's not on him. That is much more on me. The style that I prefer is character. Mm-hmm. Characters are at the center of this different universe. Characters are struggling with this new technology, characters are grappling. And I just feel like his characters are all flat, which is totally fine when you are creating a Hollywood film and you have excellent actors to bring characters to life. But you're right. He's a great script writer. The books are fine. But for people who don't like science fiction, I always recommend his books. Yes, totally. I, um, I've i also heard that Dark Matter and Recursion just have a lot of overlap. And so if you have read one, you've basically read both. I have a friend who said that he thought Blake Crouch was the heir to Kurt Vonnegut's legacy. And I got so mad. (laughs) I was just I cannot imagine a more incorrect statement than that. And also Ted Chang is the heir to Kurt Vonnegut's legacy. Wow. I mean... (laughs) 
you know your friend better than I, but that sounds like someone who has literally only read Vonnegut and only read Blake Crouch, and that's the only literature they've ever read. I think that's probably accurate, and he's probably not listening, but fingers crossed that that is the case. (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, if those are the only authors that he loves, great, but yeah, there's, yeah, that does not. There's a whole world to explore. (laughs) Um, Another book, or actually this is a whole series that I'm really interested in reading, is The Calculating Stars as part of the Lady Astronauts series from Mary Robinette Kowal. I think that the third book in the series is on the Hugo Awards list. And it just sounds really fascinating. It is what it sounds like, Lady Astronauts. That sounds amazing. She wrote the Shades of Milk and Honey series. I paired the first one with Pride and Prejudice, which is that fantasy series that's Regency, but with magic. So she's a really fun author. I would like to explore more of hers. Another author I would like to explore more of is Victor Laval. And the only thing I've read by him is the Destroyer comic book graphic novel series, which I also paired with Frankenstein. It is kind of a Frankenstein retelling, kind of a Frankenstein sequel. It's fantastic and a must to bring into the classroom if you are teaching Frankenstein because it also explores police violence against unarmed Black Americans and it's just, it's powerful and great. But he's also written a lot of novels and I think all of them, or at least most of them, fall somewhere in the speculative fiction realm. The Changeling is one that I've heard great things about. So, I want to explore more of his work as well. Sometimes we end our episodes with a pick of the week. Usually we do that with our pairings episodes where we discuss a classic and pair it with contemporary books. So I thought, Sarah, that we could share a little bit about what we've been doing on Patreon because if listeners love these TBR toppling episodes, I think that they would love our personal pairing episodes on Patreon every other Friday. I love recording those and I love listening to your personal pairing. So in these episodes, Chelsea and I take turns. We each do one a month where we share something that we're watching or maybe something we've read or a podcast we're listening to, and we pair some books or other media together. Because while we love pairing books with books, we just also like thinking about how the ways all of the media and entertainment we're consuming are in conversation with each other. So you recently did a personal pairings episode about Murder, She Wrote, and it was amazing. You recommended so many mysteries with old lady detectives, and it was delightful. (laughs) It was so fun to put together. And I think that your episode, Pairing Books with the Crown, was definitely a fan favorite. People were super excited. And you did not plan it at all, but that episode dropped right after the Meghan and Harry interview. And so it was just perfect timing to read about some royals. Yeah, that was good timing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we have so much fun sharing more of our reading lives and watching lives and listening lives with our patrons. And we'd love to have you join us over there. So there are two tiers in our Patreon for $5 a month. You get a bonus episode in your feed every single Friday. You also get some voting privileges 
on the books we cover. You get to know about our upcoming books early, all of that good stuff for just $5 a month. So if you are curious about our summer lineup and you want to go and find out what we're reading first, you can go sign up on patreon.com slash novel pairings. And that bonus episode is waiting in the feed for you. So you can listen and find out what we're reading this summer right away. And then if you want to get extra nerdy with us, we also have an $8 tier for our literature scholars. They get access to everything we've already mentioned, as well as one class each month and then a book club discussion each month. So tomorrow night with our patrons, we are discussing Giovanni's Room. It is not too late if you're listening to this episode on the day it drops on Tuesday to sign up. And in May, we'll be discussing In the Time of the Butterflies by Julia Alvarez with our patrons. It's a lot of fun, and our patrons are generally the first to know about everything, and it's been just a blast creating a community with them and learning with everyone. So again, that is at patreon.com slash novel pairings. And if you just want to stay more up to date on what's happening with the podcast and you want some news and announcements about what's going on over at Patreon and in the main feed, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter at novelpairings.substack.com. We cannot wait to hear about your favorite speculative fiction novels, so please tag us on Instagram if you post about them. We are at novelpairingspod, and we love to see when and where you're listening. Sometimes listeners tag us in photos, and I'm so jealous that they're listening or reading a book in like a beautiful (laughs) patio or a garden or like these really delightful places. But I also love seeing when people are like, here I am folding laundry with novel pairings or I'm listening to these ladies while I'm doing the dishes. So tag us in those Instagram stories. They make our day, whether you are wrangling kids in the backyard or you are on a serene and lovely walk. (laughs) we love that so much and it's such a good way to spread the word about novel pairings you can also share the podcast by word of mouth sending a link to your friends or just letting your book club know that you listen to our podcast and of course it is always helpful if you write a review on apple podcasts thank you to michelle timmons for her assistance and to miles eichner and for our theme music. Next week, we'll be back with an episode discussing In the Time of the Butterflies by Julia Alvarez. Until then, we declare after all, there is no enjoyment like reading. How much sooner one time